on the field radio 1g uh we got another guest lined up today we'll talk about his little bio what he does in a second next to me we got chris chris you want to say what's up what's up internet um i'll go ahead and let you introduce uh zach uh we can with you a little bit over at hermosa i think it was finally said yep so this is uh zach uh collier Currently with the Washington Nationals uh, on the Double A squad. Uh, me and him started working together. What was that? Four four years ago, Zach. Two thousand fourteen. No. Fifteen. Yeah. Fifteen. Yeah. Two thousand fifteen. Um, got drafted out of Chino Hills um, in what? Two thousand. Two thousand eight. Two thousand eight. Um, with the Phillies. And then it's currently with the Nationals now for three years? Yeah. This will be my fourth, so. my fourth season. Uh, Zach, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, how this all started, your career started, and then we can kind of go from there. Uh, well, before you start, I think we wanted to go on the topic of, like, perseverance and being resilient and just, like, how to go about to keep going on, right? So with that in mind... Go ahead, shoot. Um, basically, um, played baseball all my life. I played a little bit of everything, soccer, basketball. Um, not too much anything with football. Um, but I uh, felt like I was pretty healthy, you know, average kid coming up. And uh, to fast forward, um, I actually felt like little complications with my health uh, early, you know, but I didn't really – you know, pay attention to it and never went to the doctor to, you know, ever uh, ask any questions or seek anything. Um, but one day in high school, um, my junior year, I uh, was running and basically I kind of felt some uh, some heart issues. It was my, my breathing and uh, winded up passing out um, 16 years old, 15 years old. And Went to the hospital. Nothing really happened. Uh, they didn't really think it was anything wrong. Um, being that, you know, I'm young and athletic, they just assumed that I had a bad diet. But um, they released me. And then so I'm pretty much going back to normal activity. And uh, there's a tournament. I don't know if they still have it. I'm pretty sure Olympics for uh, up-and-coming uh, youth to try to find ways to get do uh, scholarships for college and, you know, pro scouts and all that stuff. Um, so I'm training for that and we're doing conditioning with another team outside of my high school. <clears throat> and basically I felt the same pain again. I wound up passing out again and rushed to the hospital. Um, doctor was saying that, you know, we can't figure out what's going on. So I winded up transferring to a different hospital, which is over in Loma Linda. And the doctor was looking at the test and did these different tests and find found that I had a um, a bypass issue or my artery issue and I wound up having a bypass. 
At what but age? Still, uh, this was now, I was, yeah, I was still 15 at okay. that time. Yeah, so. so mentally, uh, did you feel, because of that age, a lot of us, especially being males and athletes, pretty much invincible? What was kind of your mindset of like, yo, I'm a fucking superhero. What the hell is going on with me? Can you tell us about kind of where you were in your mental space? So like as a kid, you know how like you're not really fearful of much. It's an only fear kind of comes with age. You start, you know, realizing more shit can happen to you if you do this. Like, you know, when you're a kid, you do a backflip off some shit. And it's like if you fall down, you fall down. But when you get older, like shit hurts a little more. So like you kind of get fearful. I feel like at that age, I wasn't really um, I didn't really know what to think. I was just kind of like numb. To what, what, whatever was going on around me, um, especially when they come come to find out that I had this art, heart issue, and then they say, "Well, we need to have surgery," you know, because basically I, there was no way I can, you know, live a normal life with the issues that I had. Yeah. Um, what was um What was, uh, like your support team's reaction? Like your coaches and parents? Uh, it was it was it was a lot. You know, as a kid in high school, um, I got a lot of friends, a lot of you know people around me. Um, it was the support was huge. I had um, like banners and shit made and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. People came to visit me at the hospital, but I feel like it was you got some of the uh, kind of worry. You can kind of feel that vibe from other people, like kind of like doubt, like shit, like you're gonna be all right. And then like you know, like my mom's like my rock. She was like the more the one like, all right, well when you get done with this, you know, see what's next. Get knock this out and go back to playing baseball. So her keeping my mindset on. The process and what I want to do after this uh, this little roadblock was huge. That's insane because uh, I'm a parent and th- that thought must be must have been really fucking scary for her. Yeah, I mean she she. I mean I don't, I still don't think she'll admit it to this day. Like she and and the, the first finding out the news of me passing out yeah she gets she freaked out but like as far as when it came to finding out i needed heart surgery it was more of like all right well let's 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 get it done so what was the thought process after surgery once you got out of the hospital like what was your mindset then um i feel like it was you know at the time i still had to do a school and shit like that and i fucking had like people come and bring my assignments so that was kind of whack but as far as me wanting to get back out on the field and like doing what I really wanted to do, um, it required a lot of patience, um, meditation that, you know, at, at that age, I really didn't do. I mean, I think I was just lucky, um, to be able to come back in the nine months that it took to, to come back from that. I think the second surgery was a lot more, um, it was a lot more on the table. So like, like from the first surgery, I didn't really have time to process much because I still had I still had to go to school. Not go to school, but I was at home and had to focus on assignments. And there's a lot more I needed to to like worry about as a, as a kid. You know what I mean? Like versus me being older with the second situation, my second surgery after being in pro ball, like that was a different ball game mentally. How did uh, did this physically affect your ability to play? Um, no, uh, not, not at first with the first surgery. I feel like, um, I basically just had to overcome the fear of like diving or, um, anything like that. Like, I feel like it kind of made me stronger because when you go through something like that, 
it kind of like you can either give into the fear or kind of like it just embrace it, embrace it, embrace what's happened to you and use that to your to your strength. And I think that's what happened with my senior year. I, I went off um, my senior year in high school and balled out and wind up getting drafted first round. Mm. Yeah, that's what I was gonna get to and ask you. I don't know a better way to ask this. So I'm gonna just go direct. The, the thought of um, fuck, I could just die. I might as well just fucking kill it anyway. Come to mind? Uh, no, I didn't really think about dying and like that. But I mean, that's more my my thought process now. Like fucking let's go. But <laughs> <laughs> I could die right now. I'm just. <laughs> That's how I feel now, but, like, um, I feel like then, like, I'm a kid, so, like, death is, like, the first thing from your mind. I feel like when I was on the hospital bed, I was pretty scared, like, it's a possibility, but, like, my, like I said with my mom, engraving that mental approach to it, like, fuck that, like, you're going to come back, you're going to go back to school, you're going to finish, graduate, and then go play baseball in college or whatever happens happens like but you're not this ain't this is not it for you yeah did you grow up out here are you from la orange county yeah so i was born in long beach and then um went to school out in chino hills oh okay that's right um how did this situation health problems and going through all this uh all these things affect other parts of your life like social and school uh did they parallel that like was that did that change at all um, not really. I feel like this is kind of like off another tangent. I feel like a little bit, I had survivor's guilt a little bit, uh, cause I made some like pretty dumb decisions <laughs> after, which, you know, you feel like people would kind of appreciate or live more, which I did live more. I kind of experimented and like, I kind of had a different approach to like, well, shit, like you never know, like tomorrow's not promised. So like, let's, you know, let's live it up. Yeah. <laughs> so I did that. But um, I feel like I have a, a different, a different appreciate. I had a different appreciation um, for my life and things I wanted to do. And like, it's kind of sucks that people have to go through certain things like that to kind of realize, like, you know, you only get one shot at this. Do you feel like you've had a, an advantage or disadvantage going into pro ball after having the first heart surgery? Um. I wouldn't say it definitely wasn't an advantage. Like when I got drafted by Philly, um, I feel like they kind of expected my, well, first scouts were like pretty much telling me that I'm not going to get drafted um, high or uh, that I probably won't get drafted. And that's like my attitude like, well, why the fuck are you here? If you don't think I'm going to get drafted. But um, basically it's like, I don't think it was an, a disadvantage, but I really don't think it was an advantage either. I just think it was more, Somebody's gonna take a a, a a shot on Jackson Hughes had heart surgery, um, and let's kind of see what happens. But when I got to Philly, I feel like the approach was I'm fixed. So, you know, they just kind of treated me like everybody else. What was uh, that process like being drafted? Man, it was crazy. Like I really didn't know what to do um, or what to expect. I feel like teachers are telling me you need to go to you need to go to school and people are telling me all, all this stuff and my parents never really put pressure on me when it came time to uh to sign or whatever um i remember like a scout would leave the house and my mom and dad would be there and like after they left like 
they ask me, like, so what do you want to do? Like, is it something you want to do? Like, you don't have to do this. Like, I know it's a, it's a big step. Like, if you want to go to school or you want to, like, take a year, go to junior college or go somewhere and then kind of get a feel for, you know, what you want to do with being away from home, you know, then you can make that decision. But if you want to go straight into it, too, like, it's on you. So um, that whole process was pretty, pretty crazy. Um senior year I'm trying to finish up school kind of like saying fuck class a little bit because you know I, I just knew like I just knew this is what I wanted to do especially when teachers certain teachers were telling me like well you know let's just be realistic like you need to you need to go to school kind of get your mind right and go to you know junior college or whatever I'm like hell no like fuck that <laughs> well yeah this is your fucking dream thing you're giving your you earn your dream like why would I not do that you know how many people get gifted this like Nobody does. Right. And, like, um, you know, I, I feel like at an early age, I knew school wasn't for everybody. And I think, like, my heart was telling me just to follow it and go just to sign and say someone picks me. If that, if that phone rings and somebody wants to draft me, I'm, I'm going. So yeah. once I made that decision, it kind of freed me up of, like, any pressure. Looking back, would you make the exact same decision or would you make any changes? Um, I have certain doubts sometimes like I kind of look back and be like man I kind of wish I went to school uh to get that to get that experience like I meet uh guys now who've gone to college and you know they've things they've they've been able to do and like being away from home but still have the responsibility of school like I, I appreciate learning I don't I'm not, I'm not saying I thought I just completely like I knocked school but um I just didn't want to go to school and not have an idea on what certain things I wanted to study I didn't want to just be put in a box and like hey this is what you're good at and I'll go do that and yeah. then have to try to balance school at the same time like if I don't like a certain subject I don't want to like have to do that and then worry about baseball too so yeah. in that sense like now with the, with the appreciation I have of school um and what it can do for people like I would I would definitely like to you know go back one day but as far as looking back on the decisions I've made no I wouldn't change a thing what a um what do you think drove you to excel? Or what made you different than your teammates? Was there a coach or was it self-driven to pursue a high level of competitive sports? I think it was self-driven. I feel like my dad, um, he sacrificed a lot. And I kind of see what my parents went through as far as keeping me in a good area to uh, be able to go to school and continue to play baseball. Because once they got a divorce when I was nine, like, it was a decision like, do I move back to L.A. or are we going to try to sacrifice and stay here in Chino Hills or still stay, say, stay there in Chino Hills and go to school, play baseball? Like, because, I mean, I was always really good at it. So, like, it was like, oh, they didn't want to, like, take that away from me. And because, like, they had their issues or whatever. So I just I'm thankful that I kind of recognized that subconsciously and wanted to do the best I can in baseball. Um and just continue to be good at it, be great. And I feel like my dad was always pushing me, taking me to the batting cages after, you know, I lied about doing my homework and saying my homework's done, but we were in the cage for like four hours. Like that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was, that was, that was it for me. And I, I think just having that personal drive and wanting to be better than everybody else and hitting the ball farther than everybody else was like my main, my main goal. Uh, Chris and I get asked this question a lot. I want to kind of view your perspective since you're around high level athletes. Uh, I always, we always get asked with young athletes, hey, can you kind of see who's already going to make it? Uh, like, can you teach that? Like, well, what is that process? Uh, I get my initial response is like, 
yeah, you can kind of tell already at like five, six years old. Would you agree? Would you, or do you have a different view on it? What's your thoughts on that? Um, I feel like growing up, we played against a lot of uh, great, talented kids, but you look around, and especially like, as you move up in this in this game, particularly, like, the world gets smaller. Like, it's a small world the higher you go. And the higher you climb, like they say, it's lonely at the top. It's not necessarily lonely. It's just, it's fewer people and fewer, fewer partners you have at the top. So I feel like growing up, you have these kids who are amazing. They, 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 they got it at that age. But at some point, there's going to be a separation between, like, somebody who's just better. You know what I mean? And, like, there, once a, it, it all depends on how a kid deals with failure. Yeah. I feel like that's what's going to separate, you know, the strong from the weak. Because you can talent, you can be talented, but if you don't have it up top to overcome that failure and then go out and work on or do whatever to get better and have that relentless pursuit, then I think that's when people start to separate themselves. Yeah, it's like a mix of like mentally, mentally you can like unlock it. Genetically, you have to have it. And then maybe it's like a boost of someone telling you, yeah, this, you're allowed to do this. Is like the athlete because I'm like I, you can't really teach this shit. It's right. Like you you one genetically are able to do the things. That one like you either you got it, you got lucky. The mental one is I feel like uncovering. Like it, it's a it's a learning process process of like how your brain works. And right. then if you can if you can tap into some kid, like boom, all of a sudden you got an athlete. Um. But yeah, I, I would agree. Chris, would you agree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some of that stuff you just can't really teach, especially as they're getting older. It's either you got it or you don't at a young age, and you got to be able to develop it as you grow um, into those later years. Would you ever consider it, going back to school? What's What's your plan? Maybe ten years from now. Um, I wouldn't mind it. I would just want to make sure that something. I I want to have a plan. I don't want to. You know, I always hear all these stories about. You know people who have gone to school and um, gotten their degree or whatever, bachelor, and then, like, they're not really using it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be that person that to, like, owe money for an education that I'm not really going to use. Um, yeah. I definitely have an appreciation for health um, and medicine. Uh, I like I like studying the body and knowing, you know, why things happen or, you know, what is going to help, what diet, per, per se, is going to help, you know, help the body perform at its, at its best potential. I found myself being into that a lot. So, what um what has the game taught you about yourself and about life playing and um, playing for ten plus years now in the as a, as a professional baseball player? Um, damn. I mean, I feel like a lot of that didn't really come to realization until like my second surgery uh and i had to play independent ball for what two months yeah and i feel like i kind of neglected a lot um coming up with philly i kind of let the i kind of lost my fearlessness of um knowing who i am and how my game is and kind of let them kind of dictate what was gonna happen with me um and how they how they perceive me versus how I perceive myself. Cause I kind of got lost in their vision instead of my own. Um, but I feel like one thing that I learned is like the appreciation for the game and just 
um, how it corresponds with life too. Like you have to have a plan. Like you can't just wake up and just expect things to happen. Like you got to see it first. You got to really got to believe in what, what, what you can do. And I feel like learning that, that's like the biggest thing I can take away from it. Like if I couldn't, if I just couldn't play tomorrow, like I'm just, I'm done. Like, I feel like that's the same approach I can take into life is like always have a plan, always be ready, but mainly just to be fearless and don't let that handicap you. Yeah. So let's fast, don't make forward, money. let's fast forward to that second surgery. Um, you said you got a lot, you learned a lot more about yourself and about life. Um, what was that process like before the surgery, during and after? Yeah, so um, with Philly, uh, I wasn't going to sign back. I knew I wanted to turn the page and go somewhere else and kind of like start over, start over fresh with the new organization. So I uh, that off season, I went to uh, Chicago. My agent had talked to them and said, yeah, let's, we're interested in Zach. So I flew out there. I... Uh, did the doctors they had the test they knew my my heart history or whatever and uh, they said everything looked fine they said we want to do one more test so we'll have you go back um and see the doctor out there and at ucla he's a heart specialist so i was like, all right bet so i go out there and uh, they do this fusion test where they kind of inject dye into your your body and they can see where the blood flow is going well the bypass that i had um and with the first surgery had closed up and they said it was like smaller or just as as big as a strand of hair so there was no blood flow going through that bypass the artificial bypass that i had from the first surgery so that shit was like a slap in the face like i did the test everything was cool and then i i go home i'm waiting to hear back uh they call me and i remember like how i felt like i fucking tore the door off my mom's bathroom at the house like, I was, <laughs> I was pissed, and I remember Asia you know, left. Like, she ran. Yo, she ran. She, someone with a heart condition gonna be able to throw down a door? I just broke this door. I'm fine. <laughs> no, I I tore that shit off the hinges, and I remember Asia ran out of the house, called my mom, and was like, "Yo, like, he's got bad news about the heart test or whatever." And then my mom calls me. She's like, first of all, you're gonna fix that damn door. Second of all, <laughs> like, you know, you've already been through this. You know what to expect." Now, having that negative emotion or reaction to, you know, the news you get and it's already putting yourself at defeat. But why not just kind of embrace what you got to go through? Once we get through this, we can kind of look forward and what's next. Like, this is not the end. This is not it. So, you know, I didn't want to hear that shit at the time, but she was right. And then so, you know, um, pretty much Chicago calls and like, hey, we're not going to sign you uh, right now. You, Kind of got to get that, get that worked on. So I go to the doctor and he's showing me the pictures and shit. I'm just like this, um, of my heart. And he was just like, yo, you can, you don't have to do the surgery. Like you can live a normal life. You don't have to do the surgery. You just can't, you know what I'm saying? Like you can't overexert yourself or you put yourself at risk. And all this time I'm doing, I'm working out with you, Chris. Like we're, we're getting it in. Like I'm fucking, <laughs> I find all this late. time, you can't all this time, the stuff we're doing. Yeah, like, all this time, I'm squatting, pushing sleds, like, running, like, doing crazy shit I've never even done before. Um, like, I worked out on my own, but not like that. Oh, you, you, he had just doing started strength. Yeah, he shit. just started, so. <laughs> and, like, I felt <laughs> fine, so, like, it was... <laughs> going. 
<laughs> All this time I didn't know I fucking could have collapsed and you know passed out again, had another episode. But um, you know, we're still doing stuff. I'm still staying in shape. Getting ready. I decided to do the surgery, so I'm still working out with Chris and still staying in shape. And then they kind of shut me down, like, "Hey, if you're gonna do the surgery, we need you to, you know, shut it down and prepare yourself." So I remember that morning, February 18th. I, uh, I wake up, I go in, and uh, my mom's like, "Go, go, go to the, go to the desk. Tell them what you, what you're here for." So I go up there. I'm like, "Here, I'm here for heart surgery." And she looks up at me like, "What the hell?" Like. You're young as hell. Like, what are you doing getting a heart surgery? So it was just the whole process. And I got my headphones in, just kind of beasting out, trying to just get ready, you know, mentally to get cut open like a frog again. So I went through that. Um, I remember getting out of surgery um, with a different different approach. Um, I feel like the pain wasn't as bad. The second time, uh, I knew to expect, and I feel like the recovery process from the first surgery was nine months. The second time was six. Uh, got back as soon as I was able to run, I was running up and down the street. And then um, once I was able to kind of be cleared to work out, I started working with Chris again and then kept hitting, kept playing, or kept, uh, you know, taking band practice. And then I signed with Lancaster, uh, independent baseball, and then uh, signed with the Nationals after that. Uh, how do you go about uh, this is always like an interesting one how do you go about balancing your own goals and the team's goals like how do you go about because a lot of it is also having to be selfish up to a certain point but also contributing to the team Um, how do you go about that well I mean, so, like, basically, if you ask somebody, why do you play? Why do you play this game? Some people will say, like, oh, I like it. You know, it's fun and, you know, it makes me feel good or whatever little whack-ass answer they might have. The only answer is to win. Like, that's the only only reason why you do anything competitive. Like, yeah, you want to – some people, like, if you want to do a Sunday league, yeah, it's fun at that point. But, like, if you're going to do something serious, like, the only, only option is to win. And I don't care if, like, I go 0 for 4 with four punches. If I did something to help the team win on defense, then, you know, I, I'm doing my job. But as far as your selfish goes... Do you get frustrated? Hmm? Do you get frustrated with uh, teammates that just uh, do it because it makes them feel good? Um, yeah. It definitely can be because you can, you, <laughs> you, you can see it. You can see the difference in somebody who's a, who's a dog, like who's a dog versus somebody who's just yeah. doing this shit just to, you know, pay the bills or for if, if you're at a high school level, like just doing it because like their mom or their dad, like is making them play. Like yeah, get the fuck out, get the fuck out. You're taking up space. Like move. only thing you got to do when you step on the field or you do anything is win. Uh, I, so I, I coach soccer and I started recently re-coaching soccer because my son, my son is five now. And in the beginning, I was like, yeah, let's just go for fun. <laughs> like, fucking months in, I'm like, nah. <laughs> hey, you guys lost. The other team was better than you. Right. <laughs> they won. Or you guys won because you were better. Deal with it. If you want to not be moody, 
be better and go win. I don't care. By any means necessary. Like you gotta get it. Uh yeah, it's it's, it's uh it's a very fine line with the with youth sports, but it's the reality of it. Like if you're gonna be around me, I, I'm gonna try to teach you how to win and how to lose, but not like not how just you need to analyze why you lost so that you can improve so that you can go ahead and win the next time around. Right. Uh, what do um, what do people assume about your career? Is, is there a stereotype you think sometimes people think about athletes in general um, that you that you feel like people get wrong a lot? Um, as far as what like what aspect? Just in general? Oh, they, you know they just ball and then like they they wake up they just they kind of they get to do this for fun they get lucky. Um, they get paid lots of money just to like be on TV. It's not that hard. Is there anything like? Yeah, I feel like all of that. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't think I don't. I don't really hear a lot of stuff like that. Like, I mean, my circle is pretty small, but I don't really hear anything like you know people thinking it's lucky or like the stereotype of, especially where I'm at. Like, it's not a lot of money to you know. I'm I'm fortunate to be a free agent and getting paid a little bit more than what I would normally um, on a regular minorly contract, but uh, it's not money in it. And, like, I feel like that's a stigma that people get get twisted. It's like that, you know, they see us on the field and, you know, there's a lot of fans at the game to think that we get some of that money, but that's that's definitely not the case. Like, everyone's on a, on a fixed income. Um, so what is your what is your day look like um, from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep on a game day? Game day, I, uh, I wake up um definitely try to meditate i have a couple things that i listen to um youtube videos or um do my own uh affirmations stuff that i've slipped away from that this year it's still kind of frustrating that i'm in the position i'm in because you know being hurt like i love the process of what i do every day to, to get ready and i've fallen in love with it so basically i wake up i meditate um i'm big on my my fruit smoothie so i make my smoothie uh, come to the field I stretch, I warm up, uh, I might, depending on that schedule that day, I might lift uh, light or heavy, whatever, you know, whatever program I'm on. And then uh, I go to the cage and I'm really making sure before I do that, that I can, I'm going to have a full attention on what I'm doing. Uh, I don't want everyone to go down there and start working on things without um, my heart and my mind involved. Um, and once I do that, like I go and hit in the cage and then uh, come back, eat, eat lunch, get ready for uh, our um, stretch and BP and all that stuff and just get ready for the game and making sure I'm focused on everything that I'm doing, like to the finest detail and just get ready for the game. And after that, like I just kind of let go and forget about, you know, everything. So you're at the field for what, eight to 10 hours at least? Yeah. Daily? So like I'll get there. Uh, either any anywhere between eleven thirty and like twelve thirty, and then you don't get to go home till eleven thirty, twelve thirty at night. Uh, if we, that, shit, that's that's a bad game. That means we make extra innings. So like, if a game is at six or seven, like I'm usually home by like ten forty five, eleven o'clock. Cool. I think it's crazy, and it, I mean, this is like the beautiful thing about high level sports is that. There's so much work that goes behind for a split second of of game time. 
right. in every sport. Like, like baseball is even the most critical, right? Because mm-hmm. every little minor detail for a split second. My world is soccer, and like the reality of it is like you're only touching the ball a total of maybe a minute the whole game. Right. Like it's, it's just so much. The, the The room for error is so small. I don't think people understand how much effort it takes. Because the real world, you're just dicking around all day, and there's a lot of room for error. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of the difference of it. Um, I wanted to go back, and now that you've been playing for a while, is uh, you think, <laughs> uh, what do you currently think about, like, athletic development, maybe from when you started till now? I think for sure a very big one is that strength training is, is catching up. Uh, I know football has it a lot, and Chris and I talk a lot about how, like, Baseball is is still coming up. Soccer is still really new. Have you seen changes in um, how athletes get developed now? For sure. Um, I feel like a lot of athletes are doing, if they're not doing CrossFit, then they're doing something along the lines of strength conditioning. Um, I feel like it's definitely changed the game a lot. You got guys like, the, if you look at the numbers of pitchers, um, I'm, just, I'm choosing pitchers because it's hard as hell to hit. So like, it's kind of hard to go off that. But if you look at the amount of people that can throw 95 and, uh, and harder in the major leagues now, it wasn't always like that. Like you had guys that were, your starter might be like anywhere from 88 to 92. And now your starters are like 96, 97. And then your closers coming in a hundred. You know what I mean? Like it's becoming more, it's not, like, guys who threw 100 back in the day was a dinosaur. Like, you, that was rare. But, like, I feel like the strength and conditioning, you seem to, like, what does so-and-so do to prepare? And you see him in off-season workouts. He's doing stuff that, you know, we're doing over there in, uh, in uh, Hermosa. And I think it's just yeah. crazy how, you know, the amount of information that comes to, you know, different people and the more people are starting to experiment with, you know, the body, I feel like it's definitely transformed the game. And just changing, changing a lot, especially for myself. Yeah, we have seen uh, a lot more kids starting at a younger age, which is pretty, pretty fucking dope. And I, and I think the the cool thing about it, and I think you realize this pretty early on, is like the, also the mental discipline that comes from wanting to be able to train every aspect of the game that you can. Uh, is 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 for sure going to create a new generation, and it's dope because. Like you and a little bit like me and Chris of being the front the frontier of it, and we don't really get to get all the benefits from it, but it, it creates opportunities for everyone else down the line. And, and I think it's going to be dope because you talked about uh, your interest in like health and the opportunities and the knowledge that we can share with future athletes. I think it's going to be fucking fire. Right. Yeah. Definitely. And I feel like the approach you guys take and um, how you prepare young athletes it's not only helping them in their sport, but also in life. Like you had those guys that just signed to go to uh, college. I forgot what school they were going to the, the twins. Yeah. MIT. MIT. Like that's crazy. And I feel like they're already, they're already gifted and smart in one aspect, but I feel like the program at Deuce is like the brand, the lifestyle that is brought to that table is kind of what helped put them over, you know, to the next, that push them over that. Maybe like there's a little hurdle they had to get over. And I think that's, you know, having that, in their pocket, you know, it's definitely what, you know, essentially changed their life. 
I know it has to be for me for sure. Like without you guys at Deuce, like I definitely wouldn't have been able to overcome the heart surgery that I've, you know, and all that stuff I had to go through. That's special. That, that's tight. That's that's fucking yep. deep. Um, how do you go about balancing uh, life and work? Like, what do you do for fun? You got a girl. What What do you do on your off time? Yeah, so I'm engaged. Uh, R.I.P. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> 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 nah, but uh, I'm engaged. Uh, my free time, like, I like. Uh, she's in the music, so I think I'm. The music junkie that I am, like, I definitely, uh, I don't try to involve myself too much in the way she's got, because I don't want to, like, you know, be like that guy that's, like, you know, all up in the, all up in her business, you know. Like, how P. Diddy was with Biggie, all up in the videos. <laughs> nah, but I just, you know, I, I have an appreciation for music, so, like, I definitely, uh, you know, will kind of rub shoulders with her with that. Uh, I love, like I said, training, like, you know, I, I'm reading books now. I'm on a book right now, uh, The Way of Superior Man. And, like, it's really um, opening up a lot mentally for me. Uh, I guess you guys should definitely check it out. Um, the Way of the Superior Man. Yeah. All right. Yeah, it's a, it's a great book. Um, I'm on that. Uh, Chris is going to send you a book. Chris is going to send you a book. It's on the way. It'll be there in this week. Bet. Yeah, I got I got it for you. <laughs> nice. Is that picture? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Do you read often? Have you started reading more? Um, yeah, I picked up a few books. Um, they're all at the house now. I spent like a hundred and I think it's like ten dollars at Barnes and Noble. Like I just had a moment where I was just like, "Damn, I want to read this one." Damn, I want to read, read this one. So I didn't mean to do that, but it kind of happened. So I got a, a lot of a lot of books to read coming up here. It, yeah, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Like my experience. In the beginning, you kind of have to like commit mentally and you and sit down and accept the thing that you're reading. I don't know about you, but I found it at first. I'm like, yo, this is kind of corny. <laughs> this is kind of whack. Like someone telling me shit like this. But if you if you really are just open to it, for me, it has helped a lot. Um, a lot of this stuff is like affirming that I can think this way, and it's okay to be fucking different. Right. And, and this fire I got is way different. Um, I don't know if you ever felt isolated as a kid. I'm like, yo, man, why is everyone not trying as hard as me? Like, why are you guys so whack? Like, <laughs> why, why, why are you guys trying to shame me for being me? Um, like, so for me, it's been helpful reading these books. Are like very successful people. I'm like, oh, there's other motherfuckers out there that are jamming like this, which I think has been really helpful. Did you have you found any sort of like enlightenment in in setting your mind yeah definitely i feel like um like i was saying earlier with my my routine now as far as like what i do if i go to the field i think um being mindful is really 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 underrated with everybody um and in their own personal path i feel like um doing things with your heart and your mind involved and especially as an athlete like if you're doing something as tedious as like let's say hitting or if you're deadlifting or um, you're, you're pitching, like doing everything with the intent to get better and to feel exactly what's going on. And being mindful is the ability to feel exactly what's going on with you and around you. And I think um, taking that approach with everything, I feel like it's definitely changed a lot for me. And it's only been, you know, 
first month into the season and I haven't been able to play due to my wrist, but I feel like that enlightenment has definitely helped. Um, just everything I do with uh, people I interact with, it's helping me to be a better person. I could communicate better. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely something that's opened my eyes uh, a lot as of recent. All right. What uh, I was going to ask you, what uh, what music are you into? Shit, everything. I've been, Christian might like this, I've been on some house lately. Uh, oh, shit. Yeah, okay. so house. Yeah, you didn't uh, listen to the YG album yet, for real, for real? Oh, yeah, I did, I did. Um, I've been really heavy into that. You know, I had a connection with uh, Nancy Hustle's music, so I think that's definitely, like, been on my my, Bro, my fourth. Yeah, that's all I've been playing. Yeah, so that's been on there. Um, like, I, everything, everything you could think of. I even been listening to the country, low key, and that's not. That's like, <laughs> hey, this, this is this was recorded. This is about to go on the internet. Hey, that's fine. Low key anymore. <laughs> hey, little big time, uh, little big time's mainstream, uh, but I love them. Schoolboy, oh yeah, yeah, definitely. That's 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 my that's my war music right there. That was that was a banger, yo. Uh, well, quick review on the YG album. <laughs> that that first song is fire when he talks about him being a West Coast winner. That second one, bottle service was fire, and then I, I don't know about the rest of it. You know, go local went hard. Yeah, they broke the internet. That's super commercial. You can't go wrong being yeah. commercial. So like, I I felt like we had already listened to all of it because everything else was kind of filler. Yeah, yeah, and like, sorry about G. I, 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 I'm not gonna tell you where I stay at. <laughs> No, I mean, like, everyone has their opinion. But I feel like definitely it's like when you feel like things are starting to sound the same, I'm not saying that he his music does, but, like, if you listen to, like, a lot of the new artists that's coming out, like, it's everything's starting to sound very familiar. Like, no one's saying anything different. And then, like, I feel like when you when you realize that, you start to listen to people like Nipsey and Kendrick. Like, you realize how different they're, they're, they are as far as what they thought about before they made their music. Yeah. It's way different. Yeah, I appreciate that like ten times more. When like you know, it kind of sucks that we appreciate people after they're gone, but you know what I mean. Like it's it's definitely I have way more of an appreciation than I thought I could for Nip. Yeah, it it has been crazy the amount of extraction of knowledge, like because everyone's like analyzing and quoting him all the time now. But I'm like, yo, this shit is fire. Is the modern day Tupac? Yeah, definitely. In his own style, in his own way, uh, and it's been so. If none of you have heard, I would definitely go listen to his music. Instagram is filled with it. I follow way too many Nipsey Hustle accounts now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but as, as far as the things that he's saying is is is, is for real. Of like, you got to challenge yourself. You gotta uh, you gotta be better. And, I mean, he'll throw some ratchet ass shit in there and fat beat, but if you extract at the root principle of the things that he's saying, yeah, it's every, it's all the things that we're all trying to do anyway. And the books that I've bought are from his reading list, uh, "The Way of Superior Man." Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff that he's got. Oh yeah, on he's business. got like a, a 200 book reading list. Yes, I got like five of them already. Uh, Ty, you got anything else? That's it. Um, where can people follow you, Zach? Uh, you follow me on Instagram. I'm not huge on social media. I don't post a whole bunch, but yeah, follow me. Uh, physique eight, Instagram, and then can you spell that 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 first part? F U H Zeke. Um, I, I would love 
to at some point off season, see if we can get a maybe a, a youth group um, at the gym. Maybe talk to them a little bit. Kind of, I think it'd be fire to like interact personally with with you. I know we haven't met, but have like a, a group of youth athletes and maybe do a sit down um, and get them to like realize the the mental state that they got to kind of develop in order to play at a high level, I think that would be fire as well if you're open to it. Oh, yeah, definitely. I need these kids um, to keep me young, so I'm down. <laughs> that, they're, they're next up. Yeah. They get, to, they get to benefit from all of our mistakes and, and lessons. Hopefully, they don't have to commit as many, but they're going to have to go through some shit as well, you know? And we got to de- deposit in them because you can't withdraw from something you don't deposit. So we're going to need them in the future. Yeah. Um, well, this podcast was brought to you by Project Speed underscore Project Speed. Make sure to follow Deuce Athletics, the blog, Deuce Gym, the blog. Zach, I hope, I wish you well. I know you're working on your hand. Um, you got the whole Deuce family supporting you uh, 100%. If there's anything that we can ever do for you, let us know, bro. Most definitely. Appreciate that. Appreciate it, Zach. All right, y'all. Thanks for coming out. No problem. All right. Y'all take, Later. take care. Later. Later.